Today's episode of the Film State Show is brought to you by Mubi, uh, the online streaming service that showcases exceptional films from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowe, and with me today we have Bill Graham. Woo! Yeah, and we also have Robin Barr. Mew. Did you say Mew? Mm-hmm. Seemed like a theme. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Anyway, uh... <laughs> feel like i must keep it going keep it going immediately apologize to our guest thank you today it's vikram murthy how's it going i I, i'm sorry i didn't have a i guess i can go a rough i don't know that's the thing is bill was like bro cheer and then robin went small injured kitten and it's just like (laughs) where do we go from here like a perplexed i was was not injured uh i could go gorilla you do it i don't know that was kind of lame. So we went from ooh to mew to ooh. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Ooh, ooh. There. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like here to it. please. Well, look, as long as nobody here works for Frank, we're all good, right? Mm hmm. I don't know. Uh, he doesn't seem like a terrible employer. <laughs> but a bad husband, maybe. Well, we don't know if that's a, 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 I don't even, what's the word I'm looking for? If that's a series of behaviors or if that was a single outburst driven by what he knew. Are we already getting into spoilers for no sudden move? <laughs> we didn't say anything. <laughs> what's happening right now? Anyway, um, so we are here today uh, to talk about uh, the film No Sudden Move, which is the newest film from uh, director Steven Soderbergh. And it is uh, starring... I don't know. I'm not going to try. It's just a lot of people. It's there's so many people. It's like all the people. Like every scene, I was like, "Oh, that background actor has an Oscar. Fantastic!" Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I like, you know, I'll just say, like, yeah, Don Cheadle and Benicio del Toro. I think that those are the ones who you would say are the co-leads, and everyone else can just be a nice, you know, chocolatey center surprise that we can get into when we talk about the movie. <laughs> Um, before we do that though, the usual stuff, uh, well actually, uh, Vicar, we got so messed up talking about animal noises that I didn't give you a chance to introduce yourself to the audience. Oh, uh, oh, no problem. Uh, I'm Vicar Murthy. I'm a freelance writer and a critic. Uh, I've written for places such as the AV club, the nation, vulture, filmmaker magazine, reverse shot, rogerebert.com, basically anywhere that will pay me uh money Ooh, will, getting paid uh, yeah no that's pretty nice uh, in that merc <laughs> life <laughs> that's undoubtedly true uh and uh yeah i don't know uh you can find me on twitter at phobie poet f-a-u-x bead poet and that's about it i wish i had a website i don't have a website i've been talking about having a website well, you're in luck because today's sponsor is Squarespace. <laughs> <laughs> well done, sir. It is, it I is like not. Wix personally. Really? Yeah. Wix? Yeah, it, it works very well. It's very customizable. I got to, I just, uh, the name alone, I see that. I'm like, oh, that's a scam. That's a scam thing. That's no, not it's a real legit. Thing. It's just like every time it I see something legit. for Wix, I'm like, 
Mm, that's like a Chinese company that wants to steal my money. It's pretty real. You say that, but you might be in league with the Chinese who are trying to steal all of my information. That's true. I'm more likely in league with the Russians, though. Hmm. <laughs> is there a reason for that? Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, like my I family just... was from Russia back in the day. Oh, okay. I was like, is, is there like a political alignment thing here where you prefer Russian-style fascism to no. Chinese-style communistic capitalism? I don't know. No. All right. Just genetics. That's that's good enough for some people. Uh, anyway, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Film State Show, Facebook The Film State Show. You can go to our uh, Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash the film stage show to give us your money. And, uh, of course, you can email us podcast at filmstage.com and uh, all that stuff. Um, what else? We are brought to you today, not by Squarespace. That was just me making a flawless, hilarious joke. Uh, we oh, were really? brought to I you. I really thought that was the sponsor. I wouldn't. <laughs> have just... I was about to be very impressed. I was like, wow, what a great transition. No, that uh, was a joke about the fact that Squarespace sponsors, or at least used to sponsor everyone. Uh, I don't uh, feel like I've heard a Squarespace commercial. No, that's a lie. I, I heard one while listening to the last podcast on the left the other day. I haven't l- listened to This American Life in years at this point yeah i used to be like really into this american life and then i kind of tapered off mm-hmm, same i don't know what happened maybe i just got tired of listening to ira glass um <laughs> there were also like two correspondents who started getting more and more stories produced and i did not like their voices which is uh oh i'm not gonna say who they were that's that's for after party yeah, after yeah. Party that's the, the after party. That's exactly yeah. what that is. Oh boy. Anyway, um, but yeah. So it's not Squarespace. It's movie. <laughs> movie is uh the curated streaming service that showcases exceptional films from around the globe. Every day, movie premieres a new film, hand selected by their curators. Whether it's a timeless classic, cult favorite, or an acclaimed masterpiece, it's guaranteed to either be a movie that you've been dying to see or one you've never heard of before, and there will always be something new to discover. As I said, with a movie, every film is hand-selected, so you never spend more time looking for something great to watch. Instead, you'll actually be able to spend your time watching something great. It's like your own personal film festival, which streams anytime, anywhere. Um, it's been really hot lately. There's a movie on there called Air Conditioner. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. Cool. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, one day, air conditioners in the Angolan capital start to mysteriously fall from the buildings. When security guard Matasedo is told to get his overheating boss an air co-unit by the end of the day, he embarks on a mission that brings him into contact with the eccentric owner of an electronics store. It's a very interesting sounding movie, and I'm looking forward to watching it on the movie platform. Uh, but if I weren't able to watch it uh, through my smart TV, I would be able to watch it through my laptop or my smartphone. And um, you should uh, you should check it out, because movie has one of the better apps in terms of usability uh, on all of those platforms. I say this as a person who bounds between like five different streaming apps each day. I know what I'm talking about. Anyway... <laughs> If you would like a free 30-day subscription or trial subscription to movie, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Again, that is mubi.com slash filmstage, and you get a whole month of great cinema for free. So that's that. Uh, any other updates? I don't, like. I am so... Just the fact that we've had to record like weirdly late in the week the last couple weeks, I am really thrown off. 
feel like I, yeah. I, I feel like every time we speak, it's been like four months since we've spoken. Mm-hmm. I know. It's been I like, interesting. I forgot to put my headphones in the last recording, so there's probably <laughs> some ambient noise on that. I was like, I am out of the game. Yep, just a little bit. But anyway, as I said, we're here to talk about No Sudden Move. Uh, This film on HBO Max now. So if you've got that streaming service, uh, you can watch it. Free of cost. It's uh, written uh, by Ed Solomon, directed by Steven Soderbergh. And as I said, it stars as its two primary leads, Don Cheadle and Benicio Del Toro. And according to IMDb... This is the plot. A group of criminals is brought together under mysterious circumstances and have to work together to uncover what's really going on when their simple job goes completely sideways. No, they should have called the movie Sideways. No Sudden Move is like the most forgettable title I have to say. I legitimately... Every time we... (laughs) Every time we we talked about it, I was like, what is what are we doing there's a movie that's titled that and it's directed by whom and it's starring who what is happening like mm-hmm. i could not because it's like it's not it's not a thing that people say if you're going for the idiom it should be no sudden moves like it's a command mm. for everyone to stop moving so i don't know right. even what no sudden move right. means. <laughs> it is seriously just, it is just wrong enough to completely short circuit my whole fucking brain. <laughs> anyway, so Much that's my. Like I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that short circuit you, dude. Me, like generally or in this movie? Oh, just generally, especially filmically. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm. I'm. I'm interested that you. You've been on the the podcast for a couple months now as a regular, and uh, you mm-hmm. earlier proclaimed that you knew my type, um, and you were shocking. And it was close. pretty yeah. accurate. <laughs> <laughs> and now oh, you're wow. just like yeah you got a bunch of brain triggers that you want to stick away from and i'm like well yeah she probably knows mm-hmm. <laughs> she's clearly got me she's mm-hmm. got my number <laughs> i was very anyway. proud of myself yeah no you should be um <laughs> girls who wear sweatshirts with holes where they put their thumbs yes yep mm-hmm. it's not a bad type to have no it's a great type uh that's like the kindest of the many characteristics that you threw out. <laughs> a lot of them we were not flattering towards me or the women um but that's just no. life anyway uh we're here to talk about not my type of woman uh instead we're here to talk about no sudden move uh so of course let us begin by playing a portion of the trailer you said a man wants to see me Alley Outback. Can't come in. What is he, white? Oh, boy. So what's the score? We're sending a man that works in an office to pick something up. You are part of a babysitting team watching his family while he does it. Good morning. Everything is normal. Except... What do you want? Is that something you'd say? Normal Monday? I'm gonna shoot you right now. Can I go home now? All right. So that is the trailer for No Sudden Move. The newest film from director Steven Soderbergh. Let's talk about it. We begin, as always, with our guest and our uh, spoiler-free thoughts, of course. And I just got to say, this movie follows the typical noir crime trappings of lots of twists coming early and often. So the longer we talk, the more you can expect that some sort of spoiler is going to come up. 
We will still have a spoiler section, but you're sort of, uh, you're forewarned. After our initial thoughts, it's it's a possible free-for-all. So, Vikram, what did you think of No Sudden Move? Uh, I enjoyed it. I uh, I reviewed it positively for your site, the film stage. Uh, I uh, watched it really late at night, <laughs> one night, um, <laughs> and I was pretty gripped the whole time, even in uh, even during parts that I didn't. I was kind of iffy on. Generally, uh, mm-hmm. I find uh, I'm a I'm a relatively big fan of Soderbergh's in general. Uh, I think he makes interesting choices and big swings. And uh, he, I don't know, he he's one of those people who, who at this point in his career clearly likes working, just working with big ensembles and causing problems for him to solve. And that's, I feel like those working conditions are sort of bleed into the whatever movie he's making. And I think that's pretty evident here. And uh, I think he tends to get good performances out of just everyone who works with him because they like working with him. And so even when there are some sort of like dips in the writing or, or, or choices in the direction that I'm not wild about, like everyone seems to be having a good time, which kind of uh, carries everyone through to the end. Uh and yeah, I don't know. I, I I was pretty gripped by it the whole time, and I I, I had a good time. That's uh-huh. those are my non-spoiler uh, initial initial thoughts. I think. Good uh, job. Yeah. I don't know how general you want me to be. I could, no, that's great. Again, in this in this movie, the more general, the better. Um, yeah. Bill Graham. We're gonna deep dive real soon. Yeah. Sick. Unless Bill Graham doesn't answer. Huh? Oh, you called me? Yes, I did. <laughs> okay. You Someone stop daydreaming. Yes. Someone else was talking over you then. Um, okay. Uh so I also really enjoyed this movie. Uh I was I'm I'm definitely a big Soderbergh fan, so you know, I've pretty much watched anything that he puts out at this point, especially as, you know, he approaches his didn't he announce that he was gonna retire or am I Dude, conflating him with fucking, uh, Quentin? No. Soderbergh uh, retires every four months and then exactly. makes a movie and then still claims to be retired. He just don't listen to this lion ass motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, uh as he's gone along and continues to unretire himself. Um, I've still enjoyed a lot of his output. Uh, but this one felt a little strange just because of COVID and everything that's gone on the last, you know, year, year and a half or so. And it, it I, I like Brian, it kept sneaking up on me. Um, and I just didn't know what to really expect out of this film. Um, it seemed like it had kind of a soft release. I didn't hear like a bunch of big splashes or, you know, I, I, I don't know when I would see television ads for this, but I guess I never saw any television ads for this. Uh, but yeah, it's got a hell of a cast. Uh, I think they're doing solid work. There's a monologue towards the end that uh, really feels like maybe the more like 
the entire reason that this movie maybe got made was was kind of a, a diatribe that uh, Soderbergh either wanted to or or kind of fell in love with. Um, that's really interesting considering, uh, you know, the, the Amazon owner went into, you know, what is it, near, near Earth orbit, uh, you know, what, a day ago? So, you know, there's there's a lot going on here. It still feels relatively relevant. Um, and, yeah, I really enjoyed it. But uh, holy fish eye, Batman. Yeah. Robin Barr. I thought it was friggin' solid. I really enjoyed this one. Yeah. I, <laughs> I love that. Y- this movie... <laughs> Friggin' met expectations. <laughs> this it did. It, you know, sometimes there's a shitty movies. <laughs> what can I say? Classic B plus movie. I, I just was gripped. I mean, I I cared what was going on. I think that's a lot to ask for now. Uh, watching movies, we watch this at home. Uh, I didn't even know this was coming out. Like it was such a hey here's a steven soderbergh movie i was like what i had no clue uh, i think bill you just mentioned the marketing for this was really strange so uh i had no idea what to expect because i hadn't heard too much about it and i usually uh i don't do well with capers i find it's just like a lot of yammering and well this is hardly a caper i mean it's it is described as a caper i also agree that it's really not a caper um but yeah, I just thought it it moved along really briskly. I enjoyed the ensemble. Um, some players really stood out to me, like Amy Simetz, for example. So yeah, so I I enjoyed it. I mean, I can't say I really understood what was going on most of the time. <laughs> like I kept thinking, wait, was that a twist or was I just not paying attention? Yeah. Um, yeah. So there was a lot of that, but it, like I didn't mind it at the same time. I was still sucked into this world and. Yeah, I, I just thumbs up. Yeah, I um I had trouble watching this movie. Um mm-hmm. which is to say like there's a lot of ways that can go nowadays. Like, oh, the subject matter is difficult, or oh, I was too distracted by the state of the world. I or like, oh, my internet was down. Um no, I this movie was physically painful for me to view because of the aesthetic choices made. I would I would call them frankly astounding nonsensical almost like anti-cinema choices made (laughs) like there's that concept of anti-comedy where like a person gets up and is just awful and like i guess it's supposed to be funny because you were expecting to be funny and it's really not um and this movie is shot with like a, a wide angle anamorphic lens that has a weird vignetting distorted fisheye effect on the edges but like, you know, not in like a 90s skate video kind of way where it's like so obvious that you're aware that it's like a stylistic tick that's being done for something. It's 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 literally unwatchable for me. Like I I listened to this movie more than I watched it because I could not keep focus on the screen without becoming seasick with a migraine like. I I missed the first 10 minutes of this movie 
because I was trying to get it to go away because I was certain that I had a, a malfunction with my television. And so then I had to start Come on, over. You, you watched a Soderbergh movie and you were like, my fucking TV's broken. Yeah, because like that happens sometimes, you know, like, I don't know. My daughter's like yeah, watching guy... Bluey and then suddenly I'm watching something and I'm like, oh, oh, okay. oh. She must have sat on the controller because that's happened. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's happened. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like of all of our like continuously like high output cinema makers, like he's the one that would be this fucking guy. Right. Well, I don't know. I feel I don't know. Maybe David Fincher, you know, Mank could have done something like that. But like, you know, it's it's just it, it and like, you know, I, I even I texted on the slack. I was like. Guys, is this a thing? Like, is this what this movie is mm-hmm. doing? Mm-hmm. And I tried to watch, but like, and and if there was a scene where the camera didn't move, you could kind of ignore it. But there's a lot of panning. There's a lot of tracking. And it's, it, if it's a sideways track, you know, it's gonna, it's a problem. It's a huge fucking problem. Um so yeah, this movie made me physically ill. Uh, it made my eyes hurt, and it gave me a migraine. And uh, on top of that, the, the the parts of it that I understood through the weird amount of physical pain it caused, I thought it was pretty fucking stupid. I think the uh, the plot rolls along, and then things seem to happen, oftentimes unmotivated. Um, and then it's over, and there's a title card, and I'm like, that's the fucking point you were trying to make. Mm-hmm. That's the goddamn yeah. thing that you were building towards. Yeah, like I don't want to. Do it was a little here. Chinatown. It was no, because Chinatown it's like built into it. Like this movie That's is true. like this. Again, I don't want to get into spoilers right away. <laughs> <laughs> but in Chinatown, they're chasing the thing, right? And there is an anecdote, and the thing and the anecdote come together to make a point. You know, and like in another movie that honestly has almost the is like chasing the exact same kind of larger societal point. Again, they make a point to bring it up a bunch. And in this movie, it's like, I don't know, we've got this like folder. What's in the folder? It doesn't matter. Like, oh, no, wait, it does matter. It matters a lot. And here is someone to explain in great detail why it matters. And now we're going to tie up all that stupid character stuff. And now we're going to have. Uh, a credit roll that says like, oh, this is what happened with that real life thing we were sort of touching on. And you're just like, I don't give a shit about that. Who cares? That's not what I'm here for. And that didn't appear to be what you were here for for most of your runtime. Weirdly distorted movie that gave Brian a migraine. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I was not a fan. Uh, C minus. <laughs> but it sounds like you were not a fan specifically because of the well, we all know, I guess, like style is content, but it just sounds like visually. That's the thing. Like it, it is possible that I could have come in. Like if this movie had been shot in a competent, I won't say competent. That's un, that in, in a way that did not cause me to have a migraine. It's, mm. I don't know how to explain it. It's like, you know how old glass used to be made and it was distorted and you couldn't really like see through it. And if you tried after a while, like your eyes would sort of cross because you're, or if you're wearing your friend's glasses, like your your <laughs> eyes are trying to focus and it's physically impossible. So they just get tired and they hurt. It's that. And then it was so bad that it caused a migraine. So yeah, I am. Um, I'm not a good arbiter for the quality of this movie's script or even its performances. 
because it it assaulted me in a way that I needed to take <laughs> for Advil before I went to bed. It's it's so funny though because like all four of us have seen the same film, right? Yeah. And presumably all on a uh, a big television, but still a television, right? So it's interesting that you had this like visceral reaction. I I will say that my fiance was watching it and she was like, is there something going on with the camera? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, this This reminds me of like watching hockey in the 90s where they would sometimes <laughs> show it from like the goalie cam. Yes, And it exactly. would use this kind of fisheye lens because, you know, they're trying to get a wide angle. And, you know, I, I understand the aesthetic of why they're using it in this way. But it is so curious that like I... F- I understand that that aesthetic can be jarring and it can't it it in a way your reaction so much reminds me of all the reactions to the Bourne trilogy, right? Where people were like, I got sick, like no, I can't, <laughs> can't do it, bro. And it was just like, okay, man. Um but you know, maybe don't don't sit on the front row. Uh but you know, it is curious that like none of us have have also complained about it, but also I, I will say for audiences that maybe haven't uh, watched the film yet and are like, oh fuck no, like I don't I don't want to get a migraine from a movie. It's mainly in like the first 10, 15 minutes that, that this kind of aesthetic. <laughs> I think it's mainly used in that time period. Uh, it is used intermittently from from that point on but it's kind of given up once no, see, we get you away say from that, some but of these uh, you said that and i thought it was going to go away and it never went away it's no, it's, through the mean, whole- it's through the whole thing yeah i mean without a doubt i i i think that it's i you know i would I, i'm not a huge fan of it generally i think that's easily the weakest part of the movie for me but i will say it was only intermittently distracting for me it wasn't I think I whenever, whenever the, you know, whenever there's a wide shot, it was very obvious. Mm. Uh, I was actually okay when it was panning because at least I was like, okay, you're doing something. Like I can, like I can vibe with it. But when it was just like a static wide shot and people are sort of in and out of focus and in various sizes, I was kind mm-hmm. of like, okay, I'm not a, a, you know, that was a little off for me. I mean, Soderbergh, for whatever it's worth claimed he wanted to take viewers out of a space in which there is a 90 degree get grid and kind of mm-hmm. like indicate that the world in which I guess the characters are moving, everything is sort of connected on a continuum and it's not like squared off. I, I don't know. Like that's my, that sounds like I, the that, type that of sounds... bullshit you say when you realize you fucked up. Like, <laughs> I put glass in your salad. I put glass in your salad to make you think about how we treat migrant laborers. (laughs) No, all right. Well, you just dropped a glass in the bowl. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I kind of get it, but I think it only intermittently works. Uh, But I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't have a migraine during the movie, so I don't have a major. Well, that's the thing, and that's the thing is like my, my entire relationship with this movie is is distorted much like the edges of this movie by the fact that they they made this uh 
to me, incomprehensible decision. I mean, it's like, you know, I watch Terrence Malick films. Man loves a, a wide angle lens. I've never seen this effect in a wide angle film ever. ever. Yeah, I mean, it was, Even, it was, he sought out a lens that would look like this. It was a very purposeful. Right. It's, it's insane. Choice. It's absolutely fucking bonkers. I mean, I, I brought this up and our benevolent Lord and master in the slack, Jordan Raup said, Oh yeah, I loved it. It's, it's like such a bold choice. It's so much better than like stuff that's like, looks like it's made for TV. And I was like, haha, that's a funny joke, but he was serious. And I'm like, there's, yeah. that is the type of, there's a reason that people think that film critics are terrible people. And it's basically that statement where it's like, no, don't you? It's the Michael Steidel thing of like, don't you understand? It's shitty on purpose. It's just bits to be different. You know, like I watched The Tomorrow War. I deeply enjoyed that movie. It's dumb, but it's good. It's competent. And it didn't give me a fucking cluster headache, you know? And sometimes that's all you want is for your movie not to make you sprint to the medicine cabinet for painkillers. I mean, this is like peak Brian, I have to say. I wow. really I don't know, know what to tell you. But anyway, yeah, so now I, I, you know, at this point, I think I could just drop talking about how much pain this movie caused me, and we can talk about the actual plot, um, which we have skirted only because we got locked up in me talking about how this movie gave me a migraine. And not only that, frankly, but I don't, I didn't even notice what you were describing. Wow. We, wow maybe you weren't really paying attention no i mean i was but like i i don't know i was just like in the moment with the she movie was the zone. i was she so was in the zone that i was just like not even really paying attention to the aesthetic because i was just like what the fuck is happening interesting <laughs> mm. i'm a stronger and better person than you brian i mean i've never said that that wasn't the case <laughs> <laughs> I'm fully willing to believe that about almost everyone that I meet. So why don't we do like a little summary of this movie? Right. So let's let the, we're, you know, here's a firm spoiler warning. We're about to talk spoilers. Um, so what I was able to get from this movie is uh, these two guys uh, plus a third are asked by Brendan Fraser to go and babysit a family while the third guy takes the guy, the the husband, the patriarch of the family, to the office to retrieve a folder, and then once they get the folder, they let the family go. They let the guy go. Everyone, everyone parts as friends. Um, the only problem is that the folder's not in the safe where it's supposed to be. And then third guy acts extra extra sketchy. Don Cheadle caps him, and then he and Benicio del Toro go on the run. Um, the, the patriarch of the family is not quite out of the woods yet and has to help them as they determine what happened and what went wrong and how they can still get out. Not only with their lives, but maybe a little bit of cash. And what it all boils down to is the catalytic converter. Right. Um, so yes. this is basically, or, or as as confused at one point, the Cadillac convertible. I know. I kept thinking that's yes. what they're referring to, and I was like, "Why is Cadillac involved in this? This is like, <laughs> I don't know what's going on." I legitimately thought that it might have just been that they were trying to steal the the plans for a car that they thought was going to be really good. Um, it it's so it's basically the nice guys. Mm. What? Mm. It's nice, guys. It's it's another movie no, it's not. wherein two ne'er do wells get together to try to unravel a uh, a giant conspiracy 
that involves a lot of dead bodies and uh, how much pollution cars make. And uh, they eventually okay. have to come to grips with the fact that uh, American capitalism is a cancer. The Nice Guys was much more on the Big Lebowski spectrum of of like I'm not saying they are films. And they stuff are like that uh, totally Who framed similar. Roger Rabbit. <laughs> so okay, so if you wanted to make like a trilogy, it would be like Who Framed Roger Rabbit because it's like the end of the streetcar and the primacy of the automobile, and then it's this movie. Which is about the catalytic converter and the the antitrust monopolizing, you know, anti-competitive practices. And then you go to the nice guys. Where's Chinatown? Chinatown's about water. Chinatown isn't about cars. No, but it's all about... It's about about corruption the same way all of those movies. Yeah, but these three movies are specifically about, like, the automobile as, like, an original sin in America. Fine. Okay. I, I guess they are. That's, but I that's think they're on my about. side. This movie I'm just ends saying. with a title card that's like, "This happened and no one got fined," and it's like, "Uh, all right, these people killed a lot of people, and many of them themselves are dead now. What about those guys?" You got to add Ford versus Ferrari on this somewhere. <laughs> that's the PR move to make things better, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I also know nothing about cars, and I only just got my license like five months ago. Oh, all I know about a catalytic converter is a girl I knew once who was really into cars told me that every car after its invention was awful. How crazy was she? She's pretty fucking crazy. I'm not going to deny that. Yeah. (laughs) But she knew what she was talking about when it came to cars. Mm -hmm. I was like, but didn't Mm -hmm. it like solve pollution? She's like, yeah. She's like, all right, well. That seems like a fair trade. <laughs> Straight pipes, baby. That's all she wants. So there's a lot of people in this movie. Everybody seems to have a their own motivation. And it seems like every moment there's some some piece of paper that gets flipped over metaphorically. And you're just like, oh, holy shit. Like this changes everything. So there's a lot of like origami unfolding in this mm-hmm. thing. Like you start off one way and then it suddenly turns into something else. And I really like that aspect of it. Even like the smallest, tiniest scenes, you're like, oh, this changes things just as just as uh, impactfully. I hate that word as the bigger plot lines. Like I really, really liked Amy Simons in this movie. She plays the wife of this um, sap executive, the, the one that has to get this folder. And you know, there's not a lot on the page about her character, but she imbues her with so much quiet rage. Um, and we can talk, of course, why that is. And she's they have a cracked marriage and it turns out her husband is having an affair and that not only is having an affair, but he was planning to leave the wife and the kids. And, you know, it, it goes on and on and on. But then I don't know if anybody noticed this but there's a scene kind of the last scene that she's in which is about three quarters away through the movie which is having this like weirdly coded conversation with her neighbor slash friend and it totally mm-hmm. seems like they are in a relationship oh yeah, yeah. that is true yeah yes it was Absolutely. so subtle though and they never returned to it and i just kept thinking that's like that's a baller move like it's it was just it was like a a little like like didn't need anything more than that i thought that was so well done i agree 
uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think that to just jump off that point, there's a reframing of stakes mm-hmm. in just about every scene, which is, uh, I, I had no, I don't know. I, I'm in the minority on this, but I had no trouble following this movie. Like I was kind of like, uh, okay, we go from this to this, they get this, that means this. Okay, that's fine. But uh, I think what helps make this movie watchable for the majority of people that I talked to who were like, I don't know what the hell was going on, uh, is that like he kind of, Soderbergh and Solomon kind of make the stakes very clear in each scene uh, and sort of you can kind of move from scene to scene just on the basis of what each sequence uh, hinges on effectively. And uh, I think through that things come together organically, but it's not necessarily uh, it's not necessary for that to make the movie work, I think. Um, And I think, I don't know, there was just a pleasure in sort of watching Soderbergh stage scenes that are on the page, like extremely complex. I think the whole house sequence, there's like four different rooms he's moving through and there's upwards of seven people and sort of like the staging and blocking and cutting of that scene is pretty outstanding. And it's not showy, it's very relaxed. And it's like indicative of someone on his like 30th narrative feature in which this stuff is just very <laughs> innate. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, as someone who, uh, I don't know, watches a lot of movies by young directors in which you're sort of watching someone figure it out in the process, it's really nice to watch a movie in which you have, uh, you there's a person at the helm who knows what they're doing uh mm-hmm. at least on a at least on a staging level um and i don't know i found that i found that pretty pretty satisfying uh i'll say that yeah i think i think one thing that's interesting is you know you kind of mentioned that it, it, every sequence or every yeah every sequence seems to kind of recontextualize what are the stakes and things of that nature um i feel like what happens throughout this film is you know don Cheadle's character in particular is kind of set up as as someone that kind of knows what they're doing right and he kind of runs throughout this entire film as kind of the guy that has the upper hand on a lot of this but it also feels like every character in this whether it's david harbour whether it's benicio del toro whether it's uh julia fox whether you know whoever it may involve that is kind of the main main cast of this of this film um it feels like they have not just like a rich history but also just like they are in control of certain moments right um when david harbour is kind of forced to like assault his boss oh that was so good (laughs) the way that he does it and the way that his character like like plays this off and like is like forcefully is like shouting at his boss i am going to hit you now and it's it's a calming demeanor in a way (laughs) right before he's about to enact violence. But it's also one of these moments where it's like, I am put in an impossible situation right now and they will kill me and my family. So like, how do I get across that? Like this is breaking me as a person to do this, but also like, 
I'm going to do this. Like I just have to, you know? Um, so I've, I found certain sequences like that really, really interesting. And, and for me, it really set this film apart from a lot of things that I probably would have, you know, turned off maybe 30 minutes in. Um, and you know, again, part of that is just the, the cast in general, right? It's it's ridiculous, as Brian kind of mentioned, right? Even the people in the background are just ridiculous. Um, but overall, I felt like the the characters was really what was kind of keeping my interest, um, at least until Matt Damon's character shows up, and I was just like, oh, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> I feel the same way. <laughs> it's funny, because I, I think I, I agree with you, Bill. The character work is really, really well done. And I think, I really do think these performances go beyond what's what's written on the page. Um, and maybe that maybe that's Soderbergh's directing. Um, but I feel like these actors just really put so much into these very like if you have to look at it like very brief roles um Mm -hmm. and yet they're pretty memorable um even despite you know the fame of the people performing them like um trying to remember like even frankie shaw for example so she plays the secretary Mm -hmm. the secretary who it turns out has this whole plot of that they're going i don't even know i couldn't even describe it to you it's like everything keeps unfolding and it's strange but uh, i thought she was very memorable and she's this woman who had a until until it wasn't successful had a very very successful showtime series a comedy uh that was considered like a, a real breakthrough um and you know here she is just like playing a um a period part that i would have never thought to cast her in and i thought she really nailed it um i think there's only maybe like one performance that it really didn't work for me and that was julia um oh my god i'm just fox. Julia fox thank you who i loved in uncut gems i loved her i just like her in general as an actor but for some reason she really took me out of the movie i don't know if, if it was her the the way she spoke or it, it just felt like she was not in the time period um or maybe she was overacting i don't know what it was but like every time she's on screen i was like uh like i'm remembering i'm in a movie now <laughs> i don't care for this she's really forcing the accent um, yes yeah and uh yeah no i i i would i i thought she was okay but i i, I think she's easily like the weakest mm-hmm. of the lot um but yeah, I don't know. I, I think the character work is good. And I I, uh, I think, <laughs> not to make an obvious point, but one of the things that makes this a film is that uh, each character and each actor makes a very indelible impression in a very brief amount of time. And I do think that that has to do with the fact that it's written to be a sort of self-contained uh, entity. And I think a lot of contemporary films now, it feels like the, it feels like the film is an audition for a TV show in a way that, that kind of drives me crazy. But with this, I think the Frankie Shaw character is great. She really just has one big scene in that hotel room mm-hmm. in which she's like, oh, you, you fucked up. You, you fucking coward. Like you you shit the bed and we had this whole plan 
And I think she nails it. And I think like, this is easily my favorite Don Cheadle performance. I think like ever, I don't know. What? Like, really? I, More yeah, than devil yeah. in a blue dress. Okay. Yeah. But I guess lead performance. I don't know. Maybe not ever, but I was very, I, I was impressed by him for the first time in a while. You made a bold and statement like, and then immediately walked it back. And I respect not, the I hell mean, out okay, of you Okay. That. All right. But <laughs> I mean, at least in a, I mean, I don't know. I don't watch whatever the three TV shows he's on. I was so about I to say you were a fan of like house of lies yeah, no, or no, traitor or black Monday or whatever. No, I, I haven't, <laughs> I have not seen, I think a lead Don Cheadle performance since, uh, God knows maybe flight. Uh, so he was, he was good in flight. He was. Yeah. I, I like him was, in flight. He was all right in flight, but this is like, I think he's exhibiting a lot of, contradictory emotions all at once uh and it the character is sort of uh both very selfish and very greedy and also sort of very idealistic and uh i think the moments in which compassion sneaks through that i think the moments in which the greediness kind of gets one over on him and i think the times in which he's restrained and the times in which he's forceful are all all seem very organic and he's also very funny and i thought that was i i I was genuinely impressed by by his turn in this uh and that's maybe because i just i just haven't seen him give a performance like this in a while uh i don't know is he greedy though that i think i don't know yeah i mean yeah i mean i think that that whole bit at the end where benicio's like i'm out and he's like, no, 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 we got to get, we got to get like three more double down. crosses. Yeah, but is that greed or yes, it's 100% greed? <laughs> I, th- I think, okay, Catholic boy. I think with your morality, I think when you're $400,000 up and you're trying to get another 125,000. Yes. Uh, especially right, at this yeah. time period. Right. Yeah, I, like, I, like that, that's especially when that is involved have to murder when it is involved, like, you know, double crossing and lying and blackmail. Like, yeah, you, you, if you pull two scores, that's enough. You do it, you get out. But also the thing with this movie is that, I mean, the thing at least I enjoyed about it was that, uh, everyone's a pawn, but doesn't realize it. And I do like movies like that. I, I, I think, that's a very it's a very interesting thing where uh there was no world in which Cheetah was ever going to get the money but that he doesn't he never realizes that until the very end and the guy who's pulling the strings actually makes money on the deal uh which i thought was a really funny joke uh and i don't know i think i think like one of the great moments is the 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 disparity in realization between del toro and Cheetah's character in which Cheadle believes in his heart that he's in control until the very end. And Del Toro <laughs> knows at the very end, knows he's not in control, but is going along with it anyway mm-hmm. until he's crossed. Uh, and I don't know. I, I think, I think that's coming through in both performance and writing in a way that I, I appreciate it. Well, I think one thing that's interesting about that kind of uh, everything that kind of twists towards the end is Del Toro double crosses Don Cheadle. Yep. And and yet yeah, and Don Cheadle, Don Cheadle is also just like, eh, 
you know, I knew you were going to do this, right? Like he's, he's, he makes no bones about it. He's not even mad at Del Toro. He's just like, I I fucking knew you were going to do this. So I had a backup plan. Right. Um, and then once he has a moment to continue to make more money, he continues to pull Del Toro along with him, which is just to me flat out like insane, but also it gives a, a reality of like this guy is way in over his head right and it's almost like he's using del toro as someone not a sounding board so much as maybe someone else that might draw some heat so he can kind of get away and you know yeah i mean almost everything kind of works out Almost until the very end, right? When Del Toro is kind of double crossed and, you know, Cheadle is not necessarily double crossed, but, uh, you know, (laughs) yeah, his, 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 his background finally comes to kind of catches up with him at this point. Well, I think they're both also like on the outs of the, the mob, which is what brings them together is that they're both like, they both shit the bed at one point and like, then now they're like always kind of like on maybe not on the run, but they're sort of like viewed with suspicion. Well, that's why they were set up on this job because the whole plan was like, all right, we do this, we get the money and then we send these two up the river and it doesn't. Yeah. yeah. The the whole point. I I mean, I also liked when they realized that uh, they were both set up to be killed by Kieran Culkin. Uh, which I think is yes. I think I'm sorry. Pretty but if you're gonna get, God, a, he always plays such a little shit. That's the I thing. If it. you're gonna get a guy to be the guy who surreptitiously kills the two other guys in the team, don't hire Kieran Culkin to do that. Hire someone who doesn't constantly look like they're looking for a way to fuck over the entire world. Yeah, like maybe get someone who looks vaguely like good and uh, straight and narrow. Is, is to be that- your criminal mastermind. Yeah, like you, is, you is, gotta is have like too one much? hitter, one ge- mob guy who's like, oh, that's like, uh, you know, honest Charlie. He's got an honest face. Don't get like skeezball, whatever the fuck, hearing <laughs> culture. Don't get greasy Glenn. <laughs> oh, you know what? His name is Charlie. So yeah, you've got honest Charlie, and then you've got shit, shit eating grin Charlie. Mm-hmm. Which one do we send okay. if we need him to be the guy who secretly at the end of this, kills these two guys. You know, the type of guy who's not so, going to tip his hand by acting like a coked-out maniac. So what you need is Brendan Fraser instead? I don't know. Even Aww. He's, he's kind of... He's a real greaseball in this movie. Like he, I thought he looked like a gentleman. No. No. He looked a you gotta greasy. get Noah Jupe to be the guy who pulls the trigger. Oh, I'm so sick of things. him. <laughs> Uh, Why don't you look a little more wide-eyed? Look, he can't help how his eyes are. Isn't he like 15? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's just hating on a child actor. Um, No, it's because it's like his performance in The Quiet Place or whatever is like, it's just him looking (laughs) wide-eyed. That's that's definitely a movie. It's not a whatever. Um, I just can't remember if it's called A Quiet Place or The Quiet Place. It's A Quiet oh, Place. Oh, okay, okay. So so you're on the Brian Rowan uh, train. No, of, I always I remember if, if it's A or The. My issue is giving a the to something that doesn't have a the. Sure, like the no, no sudden move. Right, the <laughs> sudden moves. It's like, oh no, it's no sudden move, not a sudden move, or the sudden move. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
I forgot that uh, Frankie Shaw had like a whole dust up over at uh, what was it, Showtime? Yep. Yeah. Oh, it was pretty that. fucked up. That's why it was like a great show, and then it really wasn't. I guess that's why I don't know. I uh, but I forgot about that because I was like, oh right, yeah, I remember her. What was the thing? And then I just. Because there's a part of my brain that operates this way, I was like, I'm going to Google Frankie Shaw allegations. Oh, Jesus. Wow. And I found it. And I was like, oh, that's right. That's what I remembered is that that happened. Um, but I guess I, that must have turned out all right because now she's so in this movie. That whole situation has... Well, her show was canceled. <laughs> it was. That whole situation has an air of comedy to it in the sense, like, it's not funny, but uh, her blasé attitude... Uh, as compared to everyone else's attitude on that set mm -hmm. was is mildly amusing because her whole thing was like why don't you want to take your top off i'll take my top off right now and she just does it and everyone's like you know that's not the point right like, right yeah you're you're not making a sundance short with a single camera and like a couple of people like this is you are now part of a corporation it was like, just it was, it was just funny it was like the best example of like someone who like doesn't get it and yeah. she was like, I don't see what the problem is. I'm naked right. all the time. <laughs> like, everyone had to be like, well, no, uh, <laughs> other people have, have to be clear. Concerns. You shouldn't be naked all the time either. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did. I did remember when that went down and I was like, oh, wow. My, my, my ex roommates from Massachusetts. And he was just like, this is the most Massachusetts attitude. I've it ever really, had. really <laughs> is. <laughs> like, <laughs> Just like, the fuck are you talking about? It's fine. <laughs> I know, and that was supposed to be her whole thing, too, not to get too into it, but, like, she was supposed to be this, like, rogue, I'm going to make my own thing. And I think that's really what drew Showtime to her, was that she just has this sort of, um, this, like, maverick thing going on with her as a as a creator. And I really enjoyed Smilf. I thought it was a pretty great show. Uh, but... You know, you really have to take people's feelings into account when you're doing work that is forcing them to be sexual. And she, yeah, it was just, it was not a good situation. Bill enjoys Smilfs too, right? Didn't we talk about that? Before? Yeah, he does. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> may or may not be uh, single Smilfs. They might not even be the uh, the end part of that. They might just be divorced. <laughs> he did say moms oh it was okay i couldn't remember if the mom's yes. part was in there or not yes yeah, so bill in the smilf yeah yeah into it Whoa. was was <laughs> Happ happily fianced right now you've been so. fianced <laughs> oh man um anyway uh i had something else to say and now i can't remember what it was I mean, Brian, I can't tell if you actually hated this movie or not. I feel like you just I were nauseated by it. That's the thing. Like, it, again, if it, if it didn't cause me a massive headache that seemed to linger into the next morning, I um, I might have, <laughs> I might have been all right with it. Like, you know, I don't think I would have given it an A plus, but I would have been like, yeah, this is like a solid, like you know, David Harbor like announcing the fact that he was going to punch his boss to his boss was kind of funny, you know. But like. I do feel like there's an issue of like bloat and character creep. You know, it's like yeah. John Ham shows up and you're like, ooh. Oh, I know. I do? was like, ugh. What's he's playing this? a cop again? This is going to be fun. Yeah, it's like he's the great grandfather of his character from the town. Um, <laughs> yes. 
guess. And then instead he like disappears and then shows up at the end to hand a shit ton of money over to Matt Damon, who then tells him to like <laughs> pick a bottle of liquor out for himself. Yeah, that was he's uh, his little bitch. Yeah. Th- that was that was fucking weird as hell. I uh, I could not really tell what to make of that. I could also tell that like Matt Damon's like character, like not just Matt Damon, but Matt Damon's character is like trying to be gracious and trying to be like, okay, you're not gonna accept cash from me. Then uh, uh, I'm into liquor, and so I have great liquor. Would you like a bottle of liquor? It's oh. just like. Really? Like, <laughs> what the fuck That's is going on here? Power move. I, yeah, it was very much like a whole, like, it was like, oh, like, thanks for doing my bidding. Thanks for giving me more money that I gave away. And oh, for a token of your appreciation, take this, like, bottle of booze that I don't give a shit about. It's $80. And, <laughs> and, like, and he thinks it's, like, such a big coup. And, like, that's the yeah. gag. <laughs> like, well, but I mean, he did offer him money. Like he did, like I think. At, right? Am I am I mistaken here? I thought he just straight up was like, "Here's some money," and the guy was uh, John Hamm's character was like, "No, no, no! I work for you. Like this is fine, right? I, like this I, is part of my job." I, I guess I don't know how sincere that offer was because I think he knew he was going to turn him down because he's also a cop, right? He can't like. <laughs> can't take it uh that that, that i don't know i mean i feel like he was <laughs> operating a little extra judicially at that I mean, point yeah absolutely and also it's pretty ironic because this guy is you know anti-mob but has no problem with i couldn't being figure the, out if the movie was trying to be ironic or if the guy I was just that corrupt like was the like was the movie i don't saying, know if like, he was corrupt he was this just, guy no he's i mean he's 100 i mean he, no no he, he was corrupt, corrupt but what i mean is like i mean he was but he it was like he couldn't make the cognitive distinction between or where he was making this distinction between the mafia, which I guess, you know, is full of like Italians and quote unquote dirt bags or something versus like an obvious corporate mob. As an Italian, I will say that we are not dirt bags. We are. No, bags. I know that, but I'm just saying like, that's, that's the racism of the character or whatever. Yeah. I think but he was like, I'll give you charts that go all the way back to Italy. And I was like, what the fuck? I, th- I think it's more that Matt Damon plays a captain of industry, which is like, I mean, he might be scummy, but like on paper, he's he's a person of power. yeah. He's a white guy that wears a that wears a suit. Like, yeah. but it's just it. I mean, the cognitive dissonance is very amusing to me. I don't as, think it's that, cognitive dissonance character. though. I think he's just a he's just a he's just a guy who's on the take. Maybe. No, but but he he but his whole thing is like these are the bad guys. Like when he's having a conversation with uh, yeah, Noah but if Duke's you give him money, suddenly he's not the bad guy no more. Like. I mean, you know, he's he. Uh, here, this is the thing: is he earnest about believing that organized crime is the bad guys, or does he say that to the kid who he needs to try to get information from so he can find the things so he can That's get true. paid by the organized crime that he's sold out to? Like, I I read it as he genuinely believes that the mafia is a bad thing, and that but that the, the, the auto moral equivalent is... of the mafia is fine because it's not. Because he doesn't you know. see it as being morally equivalent. Uh, okay, I thought that, that's how I read it. That well, was my. I just read it as this guy is a scumbag, and um, you know, like every every anti 
mob task force has at least like 25% of the people there getting kickbacks from the mob to not do their job that well. Like, did you see The Departed? <laughs> a movie I have forgotten completely. Oh my god. Well, uh, you know, if about 16 people get shot in the head because they, um, they are all on the take. It's a pretty good movie. Yeah, everyone's informing on everyone else. It's, um... It, there's there's a like a, there's a joke about of, that, I think. Of fish eyes in that, though. There is, like, no fish eye in that. Um, there's a joke about that. It's like, I think it was, like, East Berlin, and it's just, like, there was one, like, anti-communist, like, committee meeting, and it was, like, everyone was informing on everyone else. There were actually no people in there who were real. They were all just, like, members of the Stasi. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's apocryphal, but that's like the concept that you're going for. I think reading sincerity into anyone's motives in this movie is a fool's errand. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I think everyone's trying to get one over on whoever, you know, everyone's using everyone to some degree. Right. Because John Hamm Uh, isn't isn't playing Joey G-Man who walks in with his shoes all squeaky clean and going, oh, man, I can't wait to go out and bust Al Capone. By the way, Mr. Automaker, here's your money that I got back for you because you're swell. Right. You no, know, he's a he's a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, that was tape. good, man. That was that was a, that was a good little accent. <laughs> Thank you. It's like you know, I don't know, thirty to forty years earlier than this movie takes place, but it's whatever. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's fine. Uh, who's not a piece of shit in this movie? Uh, no one. Well, maybe, I guess yeah. maybe Don the Cheadle's sister that he goes to. No, it's yes. his ex-wife. Ex-wife. Sorry, shit. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Maybe uh, Peggy, the youngest daughter of the Wirtz family. She's great. Oh, she's a non-entity. Yeah, but that's, I I mean, unfortunately, in this movie, if you're not a piece of shit, then you're a non-entity. I don't think Amy Simons' character was a piece of shit, although. It's true, but like, is it because she is a repressed lesbian in the 1950s? Yeah. I, I agree with that. I don't uh, think she's a piece of shit. No, morally, infidelity is still not cool. So, okay. So, <laughs> what to tell you? <laughs> what? Uh, I feel like I'm going to give her a pass on this one just because of the circumstances. <laughs> I, I also think infidelity, relative to everything going on in this movie, is the weakest. So, does that also mean that David Harbour is not a piece of shit? Yeah, no, like he... I think he. Because he was also going to try to sell the plans I mean, or something, right? Like, and he was going to run away and leave the family. Right, like but that's more honest than carrying out a clandestine affair. <laughs> I mean... I, so you'd rather somebody I leave their family? Uh, hi, I mean, Robin, have you seen my life? No, I know, but yes. what I'm saying is, would you have preferred that over, like, I don't know... Uh, Again, someone not abandoning you. Yeah. No, leave your fucking family. If you are cheating on your significant other and you have children, do everyone a favor and leave. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Don't. don't you know, stick I'll around. take you at your word, considering this is your life. <laughs> don't stick around pretending that you have a good life while you're secretly like just. First of all, everyone knows they can feel it. You are destroying your family by sticking around, and you're also not being honest. And you're probably ruining the life of the person that you're with. So, like, just be honest and leave. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's better. All, all, all I'm saying is that it's not murder and blackmail and corporate espionage. Yeah, but right. it gets there. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> it is assault at a certain point. Um, 
Oh, what about the wife of the boss who gets his face caved in by David Harbour? She seemed nice. Oblivious, but nice. Look, oblivious is how you're not a piece of shit in this world. I mean, I'm sorry, but everyone's like, who's not a piece of shit? And I'm naming people and you're like, oh, but they're so boring. It's like, well... No, no, no. I, I, I agree. Have you been to Detroit in no sudden move? I just, sudden move? I just, I, I, again, I just understand that when you have a house like that and you don't ask too many questions about what your husband does, no. I think, you know, th- there's, there's like, that kind of mob wife thing where it's a complicity. Like, Wait, yeah, no, like she, a, I'm, I'm, I'm ignorant of what you do. Now I have an honest question. He wasn't with the mob though. That was just the business boss guy, right? Yes. yes. Right. So but she wasn't doesn't he have to cahoots? wonder where the fucking house comes from because he's working yeah. in a skyscraper. Well, yeah, he's, he he's literally his title is that. boss. <laughs> yeah, but wasn't the whole thing that there was like corporate malfeasance? Yeah, but yeah, she but doesn't have to that. know that, and he doesn't have to be getting rich off that. He could be extra rich, possibly, but I don't think it's not like he thinks she thinks he's a potato farmer. All, all David Harbor's character is technically guilty of is that he was going to like run away with this secretary and and abandon. Mm-hmm. The, he, I don't think he knew about the you know the the extent. Of yeah, that. I think he was just a patsy. He's like, so he's we're like wait, are we man. back on thinking that David Harbor's not a piece of shit? No, he is. There's a spectrum. There's a wait. Wasn't he gonna sell something though? That's what I said. Wait, no, no, he's a shit. He's a piece of shit. Yeah, because he is a piece of shit. Because he was originally gonna sell the thing, and that's why Frankie Smith is like, "Um, so I'm gonna leave with Tim from accounting because you fucked up our scam. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. I, I'm um, just going to say, I like the youngest daughter a lot. I thought she had good energy. Yeah, I felt like that. That was the first person I said. And then Robin was like, uh, children. Uh, no, I just don't so remember wide. her at all. I Did she even do anything? She yeah, she great... talked with some people and she stood in a room and cried. She had a great bit where they're in the playroom and the older brother goes to his mom and Don Cheadle's like, do you want to go with your mom? And she's like, and she's like no, I don't. It's okay. And he like, says something about a plane. plane. Yeah. And then the plane goes in. She goes, and like Don Cheadle's trying to be cute. And he's like, uh, did your plane run out of gas? And she goes, no, it just crashed. <laughs> I'm like, that's pretty funny. I'm like, I'm into this. Yeah. <laughs> no, the girl rules. Yeah. Spinoff. Um, I have a question. I have a, a question. Uh, again, I don't know if this is because the movie's confusing or my migraine was really bad. But um, Julia Fox's character shoots Benicio del Toro. Yes. Why? To steal the money. Just, that's it. Okay, money. right. Yeah. Like he didn't he wasn't like a bad person that I didn't no, know no, about. No, no, no. Nah, he, he was, was just, just greedy. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Well, I didn't know if it was like, oh, like, you know, he it turns out that he's sleeping with her sister or something or no, like, no, no, you know, no. I thought maybe like there was some it was like maybe he just yelled at her a lot. I don't know because they seemed like they had a decent-ish relationship, considering you know yeah, money, cash rules everything around me. Yeah, cream. Yeah, I gotcha. yeah. <laughs> like, like I know. I mean, like the whole thing is like every relationship is transactional in this. Movie. It's just weird to me because like I I don't know. I feel like I might not have killed him right then. You're like five miles away from the place. Like maybe you wait until you get where you're gonna go. You uh, know, spend spend the money on the extra plane ticket and then murder him once you're in Mallorca. You know, I don't know. There's a field. 
it's over. <laughs> she doesn't drag him out to the field. She kicks yeah, him out yeah, of the car. That's fine. It's in the it's in the woods. It's not on the main road. That's but fun. she also killed her husband, didn't she? Yeah, yeah, she but did. he beat the shit out of her. No, no, I get that, but I just it, it wasn't that she was afraid <laughs> of Frank and that she had to like run away because she had already killed him. Yeah, no, she she wanted. No, to leave. she just wanted the money. She, right, but you know, it's again because she killed her husband. You'd think she'd want to keep around. Benicio del Toro for a little bit, because like, what if they get into a scrape? Like, he could help her out of a situation. Like, scrape. You keep her. You keep him around until you are free of the country. Is I think how you do it. You don't kill your ally that early on, and then <laughs> she you know, may not have trusted him. She may have thought that he was going to run off with the money and it's like kill or be killed. I guess that's a possibility. Though I think that he would have not gone to the hotel room if that was the case. You know, why would he? Why would he go there at all? Well, because he he loves her. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's love. Well, whatever. I don't know. He's he's has the hot <laughs> for her enough to run away. Uh, right. She's Julia Fox, of course. I, I I'm stuck on this thing, Brian. That you need a good reason for murder. <laughs> just you know, it, like I just I I or I at least it just felt out of character for her. I don't know. It like she she to that point <laughs> out of character. Not, you only saw her for ten minutes. That's the problem. Is you don't know her inner life. That's <laughs> also the problem. Is like you know at that point I can only go on what I know, and so her killing him feels like an unmotivated twist for twist's sake. You know, it's like I can't think back. Like oh right, but for one of the minutes. You know, she was polishing a gun and like smiling to herself evilly. Like, you know, it just it just feels like it comes out of nowhere if there's literally not anything to look back on and be like, oh, right, it seems no. like she's just like kind of a dingbat. Also, it's succeeded by her killing her. Like, you know, she's capable of murder because she shot Ray Liotta in the yes, face. But again, Ray Liotta beat the shit out of her. But but if you kill one person, it would indicate that you have the capacity to kill another. I feel like that's hmm. a slippery slope considering. That is a pretty slippery slope, so, I have oh, to say. Oh, man. Murder this is woman, a slippery slope. This woman killed her. <laughs> I, 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 I don't think that Vikram's wrong here. That this woman killed her abusive husband. We have to get her off the streets before she murders everyone else around her because murder is a slippery slope. I, I think that if you're willing to kill your granted abusive but successful husband because you don't want anyone to give you any shit anymore you're gonna kill the guy who's running away with you with all the money to take the money for yourself i think maybe she was just killing him because he beat the shit out of her also if he was unsuccessful and beat the shit out of her would that be okay but here's the thing like most women don't kill their abusers like you keep using that as the reason but there's well, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. So there's a, there's a couple <laughs> of things that this missing. Is gonna tur- this is turned into like a weird sort of like I'm, moral draft for I'm, this I'm, entire I'm, movie. <laughs> hold on, hold on. So I got I got a couple of things to say here. Okay, go for it. Uh, okay, a, a couple of things. All right. Uh, is it Benicio del Toro or Don Cheadle's character that basically says that that guy, for referring to Ray Liotta, is not going to call the cops? Because their assumption is that when he goes home, he's going to get killed by his. No, wife. I think the assumption is that he's not going to call the cops because he can't avail himself of the police because he's a he's a crime dude, and he's going to have to explain okay. why he got the shit beat out of him at like midnight. Okay, fair enough. The other thing is that we are under the assumption that uh, Ray Liotta's death has been communicated, and and method of death has been communicated to Benicio del Toro at this no. point. Like, like no, he's got it? no clue. Yeah, 
Yeah. So I think that he's she getting might have in said that like, car. Hey, I killed him because you know. Uh, I don't think that's. I don't think it really matters up. either way. I I just I'm just saying that there is plausible deniability for him to get in that car yes. with her yes. and be like shocked that she kills well, I'm him. I'm not saying yes. it should be shocking. It shouldn't be shocking to him. I'm saying it is shocking to me because I don't think. <laughs> Despite what Vikram says, I don't think murder is a slippery slope and it's like ravenous <laughs> where How if you do you it once, you're going to want to keep doing it. Oh, my God. I, yeah, I think I think oh this is God. pretty, pretty straightforward. <laughs> like, like what? Mur- murder is a door that you don't just like walk back on the other side of. Like, I understand what you're saying. I, I think you are taking this slippery slope like phrasing way too far you're like literally taking it and and pretending this slope has ice on it vikram's just saying like no she took a step past that door that like people just should not cross and once you cross that threshold there's like no going back like it doesn't mean that right. your you heart have always is just filled with kills. murder no yes, no it, you it, turn into but, a serial killer the second yes, that you take like a that life is, that's not that's not what vikram's <laughs> saying but it is like oh this guy's also probably gonna fuck me over i'm gonna kill him too and then maybe just make my own way i don't i don't believe and it is possible that that is like what julia fox or steven soderbergh or ed solomon were like working together and like no what she's thinking right now is but like that's not motivated by the story is what i'm saying like it's it's not in the narrative as we see it I don't know what we're talking about anymore. I, she she killed him because they needed something that was twisty. Right. That's what I'm saying is that it is it is unmotivated but for the fact that they wanted the twistiness. Victor, what were you going to say? I, I just don't think this is that. Com- I mean, I, I, I was I was I was all I'm saying. We got to get slippery slope out of this conversation. First of all, like literally all I'm saying is that like at least in maybe if we constrain the terms of what we're talking about. In in the noir genre, if you kill one person, it is reasonable to assume you might kill again. Number one. Number two, the, what is motivated in the story is that she just wants money, like every other character in the story. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants money. They will guess, do anything for the money. She killed like, the guy for the money. But again, I you know, and then at that point, but I still have to say, even if she wants the money, like again, <sighs> wait until you're out of the country. Like you know, but this is Brian doing a classic. Like she. She's a little victim, and she killed her way out of this horrible marriage. No, like, I'm, I don't think she's a victim. I don't think that like murder was her only way out of that marriage. This isn't like uh, sleeping with the enemy, you know. And also, I feel like you're getting on my case about me saying that <laughs> Riley Keogh's character was being sex trafficked against her will, which I what? still believe is the case. It was. I was one hundred percent with you that she is right. being trafficked. What? Because you're like, oh, this is Brian once again being like. Oh, a woman in a movie. She must be a victim. <laughs> I mean, that's not always my thinking. No, that's true. You're not. But and also, like Riley Keough's character was definitely being trafficked. There's no question about that. And also, like systematically, <laughs> mentally, and physically abused. Like, yes, no the- question. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> I I will wrap this up by just saying, if you were going to have a character do that kind of twist, I would like it to be motivated in some way. So as Robin says, it doesn't feel like they need a twist for twist's sake. That's it. And I understand that, you know, murdering someone fundamentally changes you as a person. But like, okay, (laughs) so here, I then have to ask this. Would she have killed Benicio Del Toro if she hadn't already capped Ray Liotta? 
Yes. You, okay, so you think that she was just like, from the word go, like, I will cap a motherfucker and I don't care who it is? Again, for the money. It's, it's you'll do anything for money. People are willing to do anything for money. In this. And it's kind of the theme of the movie. Yeah, but like, she didn't seem particularly motivated by money at any point, you know? And like, I understand. What? It, what? It, I thought her whole thing was like complaining about the the material aspects of her marriage. I thought she was upset because her husband didn't pay attention to her. She's like, uh, like the, again, I had a migraine for many parts of this movie, but one part that I do remember is when she leaves first thing in the morning or the afternoon or whenever the hell she leaves Benicio del Toro's apartment. She's like, how can I respect a man who's paying for tennis lessons and doesn't realize that my backhand still sucks? Like she seems to be seeking an outlet for like her emotional neglect. Again, that's true. But I also think the entire movie is rooted around everyone trying to do anything that is possible to get the most money. It stands to reason that I guess you can call it a twist, but it's not really a twist that Julia Fox's character will much like Don Cheadle's character or Del Toro's character or Brendan Fraser's or whoever will do anything for the money. And that includes murder. Murder has been on the table since like minute 20 in this movie. And I will say, too, that I think her line, a line like that, yeah, you could read it very face value and say, oh, she's she's lonely and she's complaining about him. But she could have also been sucking up to Benicio del Toro. Right, right. (laughs) Like, if you really want someone to... But I don't think feel like you're point, in cahoots with them. But uh, but but there were no cahoots to be in at that point. But Issa del Toro thought he was just going to go on like an afternoon job. He didn't realize at that point that he was about to wander in on nearly half million dollar score. Well, what I mean is cahoots is like what I don't know what her future plans were, but in order to manipulate him and make him believe or or just reinforce to him that she is not loved by her husband. It It's almost like a tactic of, uh, you know, being vulnerable so that you make someone like you even more or like that. Oh, isn't this guy a fucking dummy? Like we're screwing him over. We're in, we're partners in crime right now. So like whether, whether it's motivated by money or not, I don't know, but it's definitely a line that you say so that you can build camaraderie. You know, it's like you shit on the other guy uh, so that you can, you know, reinforce the relationship that you have with this other person. That's right. And I also think that the implication is that they're going to run away together at some point once, you know. Yeah, like, isn't this guy so fucking dumb? Like, he has no clue that we're, like, here doing this and, you know, doesn't... And it clearly means a lot to me that we're doing this. Like, I I mean, I don't know... I don't know if it's a he's dumb thing. I think it's, like, he's not paying attention to me and therefore that is why... Oh, I think it's a definitely he's a dummy thing. I don't know. And like, I mean, aren't you so smart because you're the one that has me. The way that Frank Capelli is talked about in this movie, he seems as though he is a competent criminal. But the way that he acts once we finally see him, he feels like he's made to be murdered. Made to be murdered. He's been wearing that bullet for years. She's just the one who finally <laughs> put it on him. I think everyone is uh, kind of bumbling through i mean like like in all seriousness one of the cool things about this movie is that like it seems like every everyone's making it up on the spot in terms of like how to get one over on someone else and well, like, yeah all, i mean all, all plans go out the window as soon as 
someone is actually exposed to whatever situation they're in. Yeah. And the fact that like 90% of the characters in this movie didn't know what they were walking into when they woke up the, this morning, you know, is, right. is a big part of that, you know, for sure. What happens to Brendan Fraser? Does he get killed? Yep. Okay. In a restaurant. I feel like oh, maybe yeah. I remember that. <laughs> he, has yeah. a, he has a great line in which he says, this is very sloppy. And yes. Brendan Fraser line. And I'm like, yeah, all right. That's, that's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> I what love happens, him. What happens to David Harbour? He he goes back to his wife. Okay. <laughs> he goes back to his wife, not suspecting that she is conducting her own affair. Right. And he, they have a great. I think their ending scene is fantastic. Like I genuinely got a genuine laugh line out of me. Like she's smoking, and she hands him the cigarette, and she he's just sitting there like dumbfounded. He just goes, "I can't believe it's only Tuesday." Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, and I was like, "Ah, yeah, that's, that's good." That's, that's good. my favorite. Uh, my favorite. Uh, one of my favorite Thirty Rock lines that gets yeah, repurposed yeah. all the time is "Lemon, it's Wednesday." Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Yeah. So, any other uh, any other statements to be made of this movie? Do we want to keep doing our moral draft? <laughs> no. I mean, do we want to think... do we want to talk more about Vikram's belief that uh, once you take a life, you become a murder hungry <laughs> demon who will never be satisfied? Again, I want to make this very clear. It's reasonable to assume in the strictures of a noir film that if you kill once, it's possible you might kill again. That is, I do not think in the real world <laughs> that, that killing one person makes you just cold blooded. Uh, <laughs> And and without any sort of uh, compass, uh, I do think the one thing I will mention because I, I I found this kind of cute is uh, the wink set COVID stuff uh, during the movie. Uh, there's the whole the two bits about masks. Uh, mm. Oh yeah, you know, like no, oh, one, yeah. no one wants to keep their mask on, master or, or just like uh, the mom telling Amy Simon's telling. Her son, you know, they don't want to hurt us. That's why they're wearing masks. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, when Kieran Culkin's about to run into the house to kill everyone, David Harbour's like, oh, you forgot your mask. And he goes, oh, it itches. And I was like, oh, okay. Those are, you know, especially because he was like, Soderbergh generated all the onset COVID safety protocols for like the entire industry. I was like, yeah, oh, I read about so that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he directed like, Contagion. <laughs> Oh, not, I mean, not, I mean, not, I mean, really. no, that, that's putting it facetiously. I mean, you know, in making, oh, real, contagion, uh, never mind. I took that totally. Well, no, in, in making contagion, he worked with virologists and epidemiologists. So people were like, uh, who's the one man who both understands the industry that we're working in and also has a handle on some of these concepts who can be like the liaison and helping us to create. So he did. It's also like, I, I, I mean, I, I kind of mentioned this at the top, but. Soderbergh is a guy who likes making problems for himself in order to solve. And so he's a great administrator in that regard, in the sense that like, he, he's the guy who's like, okay, this is an onset practical problem. How do we minimize this and how do we fix this? And there you go. I will mm-hmm. say that like knowing people who have done onset work in the past year, uh, <laughs> the protocols are, are iffy at best, but that's more on a, case by case basis but i did i did find it within within the uh realm of this film i did have a good laugh at you know soderbergh sort of winks at this uh 
that's about all I have. You can kind <laughs> of feel that this was like a COVID production because like it just feels like there's not as many background actors as you usually have. Yeah. There's like no BG a at tight all. set. It's not even a t- like there's a shit ton of locations. It's just that everywhere is completely empty. Well, it's like I, I, there are a lot of big rooms and few people. Yeah. Uh, big houses. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not all that mad about it. I'm not. No. I'm not like upset. I'm not like, where's the BG? Give me that. Give me those peas and carrots, motherfuckers, in the background. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say that is probably why I liked the house invasion so much. Because it really was like seven people in a in a kitchen at one point. Right. And, and honestly, like, oh, like nice. I thought that the movie, the whole movie was going to be like, is this one crazy day where like Kieran Culkin's with David Harbour and these guys are in the house and like alliances will change. That's and, really what I thought it was going to be, like a little stage play or something. Yeah. And then and then more people started coming in and more stuff started happening. And I was like, oh, man. No, I didn't mind that. It just went in a completely different direction than I anticipated. I minded and then it, I went and then it. I didn't mind it. And then again, I mean, like you know, there was a point where I was like, "It doesn't matter. I just need this movie to stop." You know, for a movie that brought you great physical pain, you seem to have hated it less than a lot of other recent movies. Um, I think because I I couldn't pay attention to it, so like I just I had the <laughs> like that's the thing is like there's not enough for me to go on. It kept me so far removed that I was like, all right, well, whatever. Ignorant spade is, is ignorant <laughs> spared his vitriol. Yeah, like I, I can't latch onto it. I almost feel uncomfortable critiquing it at certain points because I'm like, maybe there was a scene that I missed because uh, I couldn't see out of my eyes anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the blinding, oh, like razor blade of light, you know, forcing me to close my eyes and pinch my temples. Um, but yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't hate, well, no, I guess I, I had to hate this movie, right? Like, what else do you oh say about a movie that, like, made you have a fucking migraine? <laughs> anyway, uh, if anyone else, uh, had any kind of severe physiological side effect from this movie, uh, let us know, because that's a thing that I'm curious about now. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, what other movies have we watched lately that I've hated? Literally everything. No, I kind of liked that one movie, didn't I? Tree of Life. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> what did we talk about last week? Zola, and you oh, hated yeah, it. Oh, I hated that movie. <laughs> oh, well, you loved L- Luca. Oh, Luca was great. Yeah. Oh, that's true. You did like Luca more than I did. I didn't like uh, I didn't like In the Heights, but I wouldn't say I hated it. I was just confused. Oh, really? Because you sounded like you hated it. Well, yeah, maybe I did. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh i can't even remember it's like i said we were off of our schedule there's a lot going on in my life and um if i don't like a movie my brain tries to get rid of it so i don't have to linger on it <laughs> um, your and body expels it yeah like a splinter <laughs> anyway um <laughs> like an uh, unfertilized egg wow <laughs> yeah yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's uh, I have a I'm not I'm not even going to start making jokes. <laughs> I don't want to get canceled for this. Let's get the uh, fuck out of here. Next week, we are talking about Old, which is uh, playing yes. in theaters. It's the new film from uh, M. Night Shyamalan. I read a couple of reviews today. Uh, sounds like people are split. Hey, uh, I, I did not mean for that to be a pun. And then I said it. And the minute I said it, I realized it. And so I decided to pause until someone said something. You, you didn't mean yes. it to be a pun. I didn't. No, I was literally like, I, I, I don't believe you. I you swear said it like a pun. 
I swear to Christ, I didn't. I said people are split. Then I was like, oh, shit, split. All right, let's pretend. Let's roll with it and see what happens. Shit split. Yeah. You hit split like it was a punchline, but all right, it's fine. It's my life. Um, He's a natural comedian. It's a slippery slope. And on that note. Yes. Uh, So go to the theaters if you feel comfortable doing so and see that so you can listen to us talk about it. Um, Other than that, I think that is all for today. Um, so, uh, Vikram, thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully, thank you, you for enjoyed this. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been great. It's been, it's an interesting room. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that is the perfect way to put it, Robin. That's how you got to pitch this to guests from now on. Just be like, oh, it's a, it's an interesting room. It's a, it's, a, it's a pretty interesting room. Right, you keep me on my toes. That's good. Yeah. Didn't expect any of this to to be said. So. What were you expecting out of curiosity? I, I was not expecting uh, such strong moral conversations uh, about <laughs> anything. Uh, Infidelity. Better to keep it a secret or come clean and leave your family. Yeah, On today's was... episode of the Film Stage Show. <laughs> that, that threw me for a loop. Uh, yeah, I don't know. No, no, no. This has been, it's been fun. Okay, good. It's I'm been fun. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I mean that seriously though. I was like I, I guess I was like, yeah I was like oh wow this is kind of going in a lot of places it's good, yeah. good ribbing here and there I like it <laughs> anyway um, so uh, yes uh, thank you again and uh, don't forget to go to patreon.com slash filmstature to give us your money don't forget that you could get a free 30 day trial subscription to movie by going to mubi.com slash movie slash movie <laughs> someone go to movie.com slash movie and tell me what happens <laughs> Is it like dividing by zero and it just causes your computer to crash? If you go to mubi.com slash filmstage, uh, you get a free 30-day uh, subscription to movie. So mubi.com slash filmstage. Check it out. Uh, look at air conditioner. See what you think of it. And um, that's it. So let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time that we are in their ears. And let us begin with our guest. Vikram, where can people find your work online? Uh... On Twitter would be generally the place to go. Uh, my Twitter is uh, Beep, at Poet F-A-U-X-B-E-A-T-P-O-E-T. Uh, I usually put whatever I'm writing there. Uh, you can find me uh, at the many sites I write for, such as uh, The Film Stage, uh, AV Club, uh, Vulture, The Nation, Filmmaker Magazine, uh, Reverse Shot, etc. There. All right. Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG. You can also find me on Instagram at BillStagram. Uh, taking a little bit of a break from the Slack channel. I need to catch up. There's so much shit going on. But thankfully, our uh, loyal Slack listeners uh, continue to make that. Or Slack listeners. Uh, Slack members? I don't know what to call them. Patrons in Slack? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, Slacksters. Slacksters. The Slackers. Sure. The slackers. Okay. Uh, still no threads going on, but uh, other than that, lovely conversations. There's every they, once they, in a while someone will respond in a thread. Yes. But then they will uh, also click the button so that joy. it still appears. <laughs> yeah, I hate that shit. Yeah, they'll reply to the whole channel yeah. in the thread as well. And then and no one threads. Like, no. Because they just reply yes. to the channel. Anyway. Yeah. Well, you got to come back in there. You got to whip it into shape. Yeah, I know. I know. I try. All right, Rob and Barr. 
Uh, you can find me at R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R. That's my Twitter. And I sometimes write for The Hollywood Reporter, so you can find some of my writing on there. And yeah, I'm also on Letterboxd. Cool. Um, I am on all the social medias, including Letterboxd, Twitter, Instagram, and everything else, at Brian J. Rowan, so check me out there. Um, I've got some big stuff happening at my distillery soon, so uh, follow Schmidt Spirits on all the social media as well if you want to be part of that and you're in the area. And, of course, uh, my personal site, brianjrowan.com. And you can find uh, this episode, all episodes, and my writing at thefilmstage.com. So that is it for today. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. And tune in next week when we talk about M. Night Shyamalan's Old. Old.